Good morning, church. Good morning, City Life. It's good to be with you today uh, on this side of the announcements. Um, if uh, you're, you're visiting with us today, if it's your first time, welcome. Um, we're so glad that you've, you found us, and um, we're, we're glad to have you. And if you're just checking out church for the, the very first time, trying to see what it is, uh, whether online or uh, with us at the park this afternoon, we're so glad you're here. Um, we're, we're seeking God together, and, and, and we pray that uh, you find what you're looking for um, in community with us here as we process God's Word and what it means to live out uh, following Him. Welcome. Um, if we haven't met yet, my name is Ryan Dominguez, and uh, I'm the creative pastor here at City Life, and uh, I get to bring us the Word today. Uh, we're in the second week of our Moses series where we were walking through Moses's life and trying to see and hear what God is teaching all of us. Um, Pastor Pedro kicked us off uh, earlier uh, last week um, and, and has taken us through uh, up to Exodus 2 uh, where Moses has named his son after himself. He names his son Gershom, um, which means foreigner in Hebrew. Um, because that is how Moses has self-identified throughout his life. And um, Pastor Pedro just reminded us that uh, we live our lives kind of often self-defining before even knowing who God calls us. So um, with that in mind, um, yeah, we're going to go into Exodus 3, into a little bit more of Moses' life. Um, But before we get there, would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for this time. We thank you for this ability to gather together, both online and in person, um, while the weather allows. And God, we thank you that you've you've kept us all this time throughout these last 18 or so months, uh, through an unprecedented time in in human history and in our history as, as a church. I pray, God, that you would use this time um, to teach us about who you are, about who we are, all through the life, the life of Moses. And I pray, God, that you would speak through me um, and use this time, these words, your story, to um, impart something new to us, maybe something that we, we haven't experienced yet or something that we're longing for that we don't even know that we're longing for. But be with us, guide us, speak to us. Um, would you dwell amongst us today? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so we're going to be reading from Exodus 3. So if you have your Bibles, paper, or digital, um, let's take those out and we'll go to Exodus A little bit of backdrop in what uh, Pastor Pedro spoke on last week. So Moses is currently, at this point in in the story, in uh, the wilderness of Midian. And he is tending over his father-in-law's sheep out in the wilderness after having called his first son uh, Gershom again, which means foreigner, and naming his son kind of after how he views himself. Because Moses is a Hebrew. Yet he lived in Egypt in the Pharaoh's palace, right? But he um, has a heart for his Hebrew people and his culture of origin. And he sees an Egyptian um, kind of oppressing 
a, uh, a Hebrew. So Moses, in his own power, um, in his own kind of boldness for justice, uh, strikes down that Egyptian, or he murders that Egyptian and then buries him in the sand. And word gets to Pharaoh, and Moses becomes now an enemy of Pharaoh and has to flee Egypt to the wilderness in Midian. I like to think of Moses in this time as someone who's in the FBI's witness protection program, where he's just out of his comfort in a totally uh, new place where no one knows who he is, and um, he's trying to just maintain a low profile to not draw any attention to himself. Um, and so he is living as a foreigner again. He was a foreigner in Egypt as a Hebrew. He was a foreigner in Pharaoh's palace as a Hebrew. And then even amongst the Hebrews, he's a foreigner because he's lived in this lap of luxury while they were oppressed as slaves. So let's pick up here um, in Exodus 3 and try to see what God is doing, what God is up to in Moses' story. So Exodus 3 verse 1 says this. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of God appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Let's see what God is up to here. So yeah, in this scene, Moses is kind of minding his own business, right? Again, he's trying to keep that low profile FBI witness protection program. Don't get noticed, don't cause, don't cause a scene. And he's just tending to his father-in-law's flock. So you know he's taking extra special care, trying not to mess with him at all, not, not to don't, don't ruin this, right? Just take care of it for, for your father-in-law and, and maintain a low profile. But he sees this, this extraordinary, this, this alien, this, whole, this wholly otherworldly sight, right? A bush that is uh, engulfed in flames, but it's not being consumed, right? So he has this, he has this, this choice, right? At this moment, he can... Um, just continue maintaining that low profile, just following the narrative that he has of himself as a foreigner, just trying to keep keep unnoticed, right? And, and he could just choose to just walk away and ignore what's going on here, protect the flock, get them far away from the fire. Or he can choose to pay attention, right? Pay attention to this hugely supernatural, this amazing thing that's happening. And he can... He can pay attention to it. That brings me to my first point today. And my first point is this, that, that burning bushes, things like this, burning bushes, command our undivided attention. Right? Moses sees this burning bush and he chooses 
to pay attention. He, he looks, he turns aside and looks and says, let me see what this great sight is, why the bush is not burned. I liken this um, in my life and in, in our lives to these things that you often see on the side of the road by a store, usually like a, a used car dealership, but it's these, these blow up, these inflatable, wacky arm flailing tube men, right? They're waving their arms, trying to draw our attention, but we can choose, right? Especially if we're on the highway, we can choose to kind of just plod along that road. Just keep going that way. Don't pay attention to this thing, this ridiculous sight on the side of the road. Don't pull over, don't check it out. Or we can pay attention, right? I, I truly believe that this is one of those moments in Moses' life, right, where there's this ridiculous thing happening and there's no explanation for it and he can choose to pay attention and he does, right? And, and as soon as he turns aside to have a look, he decides to choose to look. God calls out to him from the bush, right? Verse 4, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and, he said, and Moses said, here I am. Then he said, Do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses' choice to pay attention is met immediately by God engaging him in conversation. Right? That, that's what God does. When, when God grabs our, when he sees that he has our undivided attention, he engages us in conversation, right? And that's my second point today. When God gets our undivided attention, he engages us in a profound conversational relationship, right? God uses this, particu this particularly peculiar event in the burning bush to capture Moses' attention, all in order to draw him in, to speak with him, to be in relationship with him, right? And this relationship is marked right away from, by conversation with God, right? We see that Moses, you know, realizes it's God after he says, here I am, and God declares who he is. But then Moses drops on his face and hides his face for fear, right? He's like, he knows that he's, he's talking with God, but he, he drops to the ground out of fear. But as we read along in Moses' story, especially in this chapter, this is the first conversation he has with God. And it's a long one. Think about it. He, he gets and he engages with God in this conversation. It's the first time he's meeting him. We read in Exodus 1 and 2, God is, is in, we know that God is in the story, but Moses doesn't actually refer to God um, personally until this moment. Right? But this is a long chapter, uh, a long conversation. And Moses is, you know, on top of being uh, a fugitive on the run, on the lamb, pun intended. Um, he's hiding amongst the sheep, trying to, to not be noticed, but he has this conversation with God. It's, it's, it's kind of a long one to, for like a regular dude, a criminal, a fugitive to be having with the God of all creation, right? But let's look at this conversation a little bit more. Verse 4, right? Uh, God calls to Moses, then Moses talks. Here I am, right? God says, do not come near Take your sandals off your feet. You're standing on holy ground. And then God kind of declares who he is. I'm God of your father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then in verse 11, Moses finally talks back to God. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, right? 
in this conversation, God has um, declared who he is. He has called Moses to who he is. And then he even gives Moses the call that he's going to be the one who liberates the Israelites from Egypt. But then Moses comes back, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Because Moses is still believing his narrative as a foreigner, as an enemy to Pharaoh, right? And then if, you, if we fast forward a little bit more, Moses is continuing in this conversation. In, sorry, in chapter 4, Moses says, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. And he's talking now because God has called him to talk to the Israelites. And Moses is saying, they're not going to believe me. It's as if Moses is saying, God, don't, don't you know who I am? I am, I am a foreigner. I am Gershom. I am I'm not welcomed anywhere in Israel. I mean, in, in Egypt, I'm a Hebrew. But amongst the Hebrews, I'm, I'm not even one of them. Right? And now I'm living here in a foreign land, and I'm not from Midian either. I'm, I'm the, the shepherd of my father-in-law's flock. This isn't even my people. How do you expect me to be the one to go to even speak with Pharaoh, who I'm an enemy to, and then speak to the Is- Israelites? That, that's not who I am, God. Are, are you sure you're considering me? Right? And this whole conversation goes on from verse 4 in chapter 3 till about verse 17 in uh, chapter four. It's a long conversation. But in this conversation, right, this relationship with God, where he goes back and forth with us in our conversation, he transforms us. And he transforms us from the former narratives that we have about ourselves, the former identities, the self-identification that we have. He transforms us from who we think we are into who he has made us to be and He refines us. He turns us into the people who can fulfill this extraordinary calling He's put on our lives. Right? This conversation with Moses where not only does he talk with God, he kind of talks back to God. Right? He, He talks back to God several times where he says, God, that's not who I am. God, don't you know who I am? I can't possibly be the guy you're looking for. Right? But God continues on. And he he gives him this call to be the one who liberates the Hebrew people from their oppressors in Egypt, right? And part of this is is God transforming us from who we think we are into who we are because of who God is. Let me say that again. Part of this transformation is God taking us from who we think we are, showing us a little bit more of who he is, and then transforming us into who we are we were called to be because we are made in his image, right? God has this heart for justice. He has this heart for mercy. He hears the cry back in in chapter two. He hears the cry of his people and he says, I'm going to come down and I'm going to liberate my people from Pharaoh and Egypt. And then he makes Moses the one who speaks to Pharaoh and speaks to the Israelites to liberate them from Egypt. I love this conversation with Moses because I see so much of my own story in it. I see so much of of me coming to God with who I think I am, believing all the narratives that I have either written for myself or have been written for me along the way. And I bring myself to God and say, God, are you sure 
Like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know that, um, you know, that I'm a foreigner, that I don't belong in this place? Don't you know that uh, I, I, I don't have a, a home amongst people? Don't you know that I'm, I'm a criminal, that I'm a sinner, that, um, that I'm unforgivable, that I'm unlovable? Don't you know that, God? But God always, always draws us back to who He is. Don't you know, and, and, and we see this, don't you know that I'm the one that, that gives people speech or can make them mute or can make them blind or can make them deaf? That I'm the one who says who you are. Right? So as I've examined and read this passage, I've been looking for, yeah, what is that burning bush invitation? Right? That's actually the name of our, of our sermon today, a burning bush invitation. What is the, the burning bush in my life that God has used to get my undivided attention? Like the billions of other people on this earth, COVID-19 and this pandemic is this holy, otherworldly, and not holy H-O-L-Y, but W-H-O-L-L-Y, this holy, otherworldly event that has caused the whole world to pause, to pivot, to quarantine, all these new words, right? To quit, to, uh, yeah, to just, for everything to stop. And just like you, you know, I've, I had plans. I, I was content to, to plot along that road with the plans that I feel like that I've defined, but also that God has, has talked to me throughout, uh, throughout my journey as well. So before COVID hit, um, you know, I said earlier that I was, I am the creative pastor here at City Life. And before COVID hit, I was perfectly content to continue being the creative pastor here on a part-time basis for our small and simple church, right? And, and in the meantime, I was also um, being a stay-at-home stay dad, kind of taking care of our son, taking care of the home, holding down the fort. And then I had aspirations with my other part-time to study towards ordination, to um, help a friend uh, grow his small music school business, and uh, even uh, write and record at home um, uh, my own original music to put together an album. But COVID, COVID really just put the kibosh on all of it. Um, I liken this, you know, this this wavy, this wacky, inflatable, waving arm man. I can't even say it correctly. It's such a tongue twister. But to COVID, right? It's just like, what what is this, and and why does it need my attention, right? So in this time, this extra time that I've had, um, I felt like God was calling me to pay attention to what He's doing. Right. So thankfully, um, you know, after about six months or so, um, my family, my wife and my son were able to go back to work and to go to school in person. Right. So life kind of returned a little bit back to normal for them. But it left me like after working from home, schooling from home, being at home all together, quarantined, locked up to like having all this free time and free space. And I had the choice, just like Moses had the choice to pay attention to the burning bush or kind of keep going. I had the choice to just keep going, being content in what I was doing and the plans that I had written for myself. 
or I could pay attention to what God was doing. And what I've found in this time is that God has drawn me into this deep conversational relationship with him, where he's spoken to me through his Holy Spirit. He's spoken to me through his Holy Scriptures. Um, I've read so much and learned so much about the prophets and about how God uses his prophets, you know, in these ministry careers that essentially are to like make spectacles of themselves and to eventually give their lives and be alienated from the people that they're trying to save, right? They're trying to rescue and and um, convince the people of Israel, right, who were once enslaved, the very same people that Moses had to liberate from slavery in Egypt, they were now becoming slaveholders and becoming oppressors of other people, but also their very own people. And so much so that this was, this just broke God's heart. And so much so that God turned his back on them and allowed the Israelites to be taken away um, into exile. Well, you read that in the Old Testament. And his prophets were there to, to wave their arms, to, to get the attention of the people, to turn from injustice towards justice and, and, and God's, God's, God's justice. Right? So in this season, when I had all this extra time, God spoke to me. And God called me into this new calling. He called me in, with his heart, showing me his nature of his heart for justice and mercy, into becoming an advocate for justice and mercy here in, in my life so that Jersey City right, and our surrounding communities would be on earth as it is in heaven. Right? So with this extra time, God has led me to be able to uh, join our church district's Kingdom Justice and Mercy uh, team in which I've spoken with um, a bunch of different pastors about the pursuit of uh, racial reconciliation, of socioeconomic justice, of uh, gender equality, and all these, different, all these different subjects that God's heart breaks for. He's called me to study it. He's called me to take an online course on uh, racism in the church and how to fight it by looking at uh, the church's history um, and complicity in racism in this country. Um, he's led me to, to attend and participate in a bunch of different webinars on racial justice, on socioeconomic justice, on gender equality, uh, on, on ra uh, reconciling racism across a bunch of different ethnic divides. I've gotten to read countless books and articles and uh, just I'm, my Netflix is, is all <laughs> documentaries on, on racial reconciliation. Um, and if it weren't for COVID and this burning bush or this waving inflatable tube man of, of, of this time and God calling me into this relationship, God allowing me to pay attention, God giving me his heart, I think I would have just been perfectly fine to continue along that road and with nothing ever changing. But that's just what God does. He gives us these, these burning bush invitations, right? He draws us in to these deep and profound conversational relationships, right? Pastor Pedro talked about it last week. Moses had such a deep and intimate conversational relationship with God that he even changed God's mind twice. Right? And then he can renew 
and or give us new calling through these through this relationship right uh, as I was meditating on Moses story I was reminded God reminded me that about six or seven years ago I really felt like I had a dream and God called me to prick the consciousness of the church and this is six or seven years ago long before I knew that the heart for social justice was gonna be my heart was gonna be from God's heart to my heart and I kind of buried that dream, I kind of buried that idea because, you know, life got in the way, right? We had to pay the bills, make ends meet, and, and, and kind of keep, keep keeping on, right? But God reminded me of that, and um, I'm so thankful because he's used even parts of the story that I thought I wrote myself, and he's used that to give me new trajectory into the life and to the calling that he's always had for me. So what about you? Are you like Moses? Are you hiding from something in your path? Are you running, right? Are you, are you always trying to make something of yourself despite your past? Are you trying to rectify maybe who you've always said you are with who God might be calling you to, right? Or are you always moving? Are you always in social situations? Are you always just going, going, going? Are you in a series of of romantic relationships are you always out and busy right because you just don't you're afraid to be alone let alone be alone with God right or are you kind of just going through the motions at work do you feel aimless and are you just content to kind of you know slowly and steadily plot along that graph upwards and to the right right and you haven't even given a thought to who God might be calling you to be. I, I want to encourage us today, right? I, I want to encourage us because I do believe, I, I believe that we can become people who begin to readily see when God is trying to grab our attention. We can readily see the burning bushes and the, the flailing tube men because we've just become so intimate and acquainted with God. Not only that we could see it for ourselves, that we would be become so good at seeing it for ourselves that we could point other people to God too. I, I think that if God is calling us, which I know He is, that if we give Him our undivided attention, we can be in conversation with God so much so and be so intimately related that we would belong to God, that He would be our Father God and not just the God of our fathers or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would be our God. And we would live out that identity as being children of God. We would walk into every situation with confidence, knowing that we're familiar with God's will, right? And that we would, his heart would become our heart for social justice, for caring for the poor, for caring for widows and orphans, for... Um, just being God's church, being his hands and feet. I really believe that we can. So to close, I want to ask, what is the burning bush in your life? What is the wacky, inflatable, waving arm tube man that God has put in your story because he's trying to call you into a deep and profound relationship with him and deep and profound impact in the calling he has for your life. I think it just requires us to, to choose, right? To choose to pay attention, 
right? And, and choose to trust that number one, he is who he says he is, that we are who he says he is, and that he's going to do what he says he will do, right? We see in this conversation with Moses back and forth, God, you don't know who I am. You can't possibly know. You can't possibly use me to Moses walking out this call in boldness, right? In verse 12, in chapter 3, he says this, God said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. I have read that line many times before, but it only struck me in, in this past week that God is meeting Moses on Mount Horeb, right? In Scripture, we also know that Mount Horeb is Mount Sinai. And God is saying, you are going to take the people out of Egypt, right? And you're going to worship me here on this very same mountain. Mount Horeb, where he's meeting him now, is Mount Sinai, where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. How good is God? How amazing is God? He knows the story, despite the story that we tell ourselves about ourselves. God knows the story that he has for us, that he calls us into that he goes with us throughout it, so much so that he doesn't call us to blow up our lives and go start fresh somewhere else. He calls us to be his people right where we stand. In Moses' story, and in mine, and, and I would venture to say possibly in yours, we can be these people, these foreigners, these outsiders who no one chooses and says, hey, he's, he's on my team, she's on my team, she's part of us, he's part of us. right? And we might not even choose ourselves at times. We see with Moses, like, God, just choose someone else. right? The bottom line is, God has chosen us. He chose us before we were even knit together in our mother's womb. He has chosen us. He has called us. And on top of that, he promises to go with us. So nothing can stop us. I just want to encourage us today in that, that God has called us to deep and profound relationship and deep and profound impact. We just got to find that burning bush and pay attention. Would you pray with me? Father, we're all here because we've, we've felt that tug in our hearts towards you. And God, if we're honest, so many layers of concern and care and worry have just been heaped upon the heart that you've given us, heaped upon that initial call to you, that it's, we've, we've largely forgotten it and we would be content to walk over it and, and ignore it. But God, you've given us your word, your spirit, and each other in community. Would you open our eyes to the burning bushes, to the waving, flailing, arm flailing tube men, God, to see what you're calling us to now, to see who you're calling us now, to be reminded of who you are, and the impact that you want us to have in our lives, in our families' lives, in this community's life, God. Open our eyes. 
open our hearts and let us choose to pay attention, to converse, and trust who you are. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, church, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for, for diving into the Word with us. Um, and if, uh, if you're visiting us, thank you so much. It's, it's really great to, to see you. And um, we pray that, yeah, that you would uh, find like we're look, what we're looking for, right? And, and in community with us. We, we are here. Um, we're continuing to, to be a church in this time. Um, you can continue to be with us online here um, at the link provided. And also, um, we are, just a reminder that we are moving our um, park time, our City Life Beta, which is our in-person outdoor gathering, to 1 p.m. Eastern. We're still going to be in the same place in Liberty State Park, but we'd love to see you in person before it gets too cold. Um, just a, a reminder to, to bring a sweater and possibly a hot drink because it's getting a bit chilly out there. We hope to see you, hope to meet you, and um, we'll see you again next week. Take care.